Jesus, and we thank you for how you have revealed your amazing mercy and given us mercy in Jesus. Although each of us has fallen far short of perfection, you have shown us undeserved kindness by declaring us righteous if we put our faith in the salvation that Jesus has accomplished. We thank you that he offered himself as the perfect sacrifice on the cross. By grace, this morning we ask that you would grant us faith to believe your words and to put our trust uh, fully in you. And all God's people said, amen. Well, welcome to worship here on this Reformation Sunday at uh, Maranatha. We're glad that you have uh, chosen to come and worship and gather together as the body of Christ. And before we continue with our service today, please take a few minutes to say hello to those around you. Well, welcome again. I'd like to welcome those of you who are new or visiting Maranatha here. Uh, we're glad that you're with us this morning and hope that you are encouraged in your spirits as you join us in worship this morning. just have a, a few announcements for us. This, um, today is the last day, um, your opportunity to, to buy Christmas wreaths um, to support the youth ministry. Um, they make great gifts and um, beautiful uh, decorations for your home. Um, if you're interested in those, you can stop by the table in the lobby to purchase a wreath this morning. On Saturday, November 6th, we're going to be having an a all-church uh, game night. And um, the leadership is uh, wanting to provide more opportunities that are family-friendly, um, where we aren't pulling moms and dads away from um, family time together. Um, so come. this is for all ages, um, whether you have uh, a love for games or not, come on out, um, bring your favorite game and, and a snack if you'd like. And uh, lastly, we're going to have a, a short video here on um, Operation Christmas Child, and um, Kimberly Robbins will be coming to, to share a little bit more about that. Um, but also wanted to let you know that today is Family Celebration Sunday. That's right, yep. Um, so there's uh, all the children of the church are with us, um, as well as the youth. Um, no Sunday school today, and we are uh, very excited to celebrate the truths of the gospel as we celebrate Reformation Sunday today. Um, so um, after this short video, Kimberly will be... Uh, sharing a little bit more, and then leading us in a song. So get ready for that. The joy of seeing a child open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. 
We are so excited. Many of the children receive the shoe boxes for the first time in their life. We pray that these boxes will be used to bring a lot of happiness and joy, but more importantly, the gospel to each heart, all these little children around the world. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. This is what these shoe boxes are all about, to go out and to bring a hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like you've seen. But we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one. this time. Good job. I love it. We're getting you warmed up here. Good. So you heard Mr. Franklin Graham say they need more boxes. So Maranatha family, our packing party goal for this year is 680 shoebox gifts. The shipping suggested donation is $9 per shoebox. Now that might sound like a lot of money, but have you ever shipped something even in the United States lately? I sent a birthday gift to my niece. It was way smaller than a shoebox, and it cost me over $20 just to go to Michigan. That was for them to put it on a box, put the box on a truck, transfer it to the plane, and transfer it to another truck, and deliver it to a house in Michigan. Samaritan's first team, who I continue to appreciate in their good stewardship and transparency of how they use our donated funds, shares that the $9 is critical to cover collection, processing, shipping, greatest gift booklets in the local language, and training local churches. That's a lot of bang for your nine bucks. So, as the shipping cost of nine dollars a box, our responsible good stewardship goal for 600 and almost 90 boxes is $6,120. Yeah. Today, you, our Maranatha Church family, through the Christmas in July fundraiser, and generous personal donations, along with Thrivent funding and Cole's Cares funding from our local area, amazing, already helped us raise $5,570. Yes, praise the Lord out loud. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So, we are only any calculators out there in your brains? $550 away. That's it. Okay, yes. That is amazing. So, if you haven't already... And you would like to help us fulfill our packing goal. Sorry, one minute. I'm just having a little problem here, okay? Both eyes have to work at this age. <laughs> Sorry. So if you haven't already and would like to help us fulfill our packing goal of 680 or 90, I feel like I've changed that number a couple times today, grab your quarter jar from the lovely Miss Joan at the OCC table display, which actually has moved from the lobby to the back corner in the fellowship hall, and fill her up. And while you're there, you can also pick up a shoebox you can pack or sign up to help. I'm understanding that while the shifts for the packing party are all filled, yay! And huge thank you to those of you who did that so quick, like in one week. Good job. Volunteers are still needed to help with the setup day the day before so we can actually pack and have a party. So on Saturday, November 6th, if you've got some time, any time from 9 to noon, for a whole or just a portion of that, we would really appreciate your help. We also still need some big help during collection week to accept and carton up all those boxes. Not only our 600 and whatever that magic number is. I'll clarify that with Miss Joan before next service, just to make sure I'm accurate. We have um, 
a need to collect and carton up all of the boxes that we receive um, here from the entire Rice Lake area. So slip on over to that hidden table there back in the fellowship hall, and uh, we'd love you to peek at the schedule and sign up for sheets. Sign up on the sheets at the display in the fellowship hall. Lastly, our sincere thank you for all the help we receive from you, our precious Maranatha family, to give the gospel to at least 680 children and their families this year. And may the Lord be glorified as we serve. All right, so now another part of my heart. May I have some littles here ready to help me? Come on up, you guys. Come on up. We are going to teach you all how to worship. Like worship free. Like the Lord made us, right? He gave us bodies to wiggle. Yes. But we also believe in organized wiggling, not just chaos. We don't want to be distractions. So we're going to teach you some great motions. Everybody feel ready? Yes. So we're going to sing the song, Unshakable. Unshakable, meaning that we have the promise in the word that God is unshakable. He's never changing. He will keep all of his promises. Yes? So the kids are going to help me. We need you to rise up. Yeah, I'll come. Oh, boy. They need a nap time, I think, you guys. Do you think they need nap time? Yeah. Okay, this is how we do it in Sunday school. If you're having a little struggle on Sunday morning, we get three seconds. Ready? All right, good morning. Let's go. Hit it, Miss uh, Stacy back there.
Well, good morning. You can have a seat. Uh, during our family celebration Sunday, uh, we like to gather as a family and proclaim the word in truth together. And today is no different. Uh, today is Reformation Day, and 504 years ago, something very, very special happened on October 31st. <clears throat> In 1517, I'm going to invite Pastor Cody to come on in. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It is good to see you all. Look how beautiful you look. Wonderful. Look at how dressed up you are. Some of you look better than others. I can see you looking nice and shiny and fine. And uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, Dan. It's Sunday. You should be wearing a tie. You forgot your tie. Your wife didn't get your tie. All right. Some of you look wonderful. You do a great work. You do great work uh, over there. He doesn't do such good work. Some of you are better than others in this room. Did you know that? Just how you're dressed, how you look. It's amazing what a bar of soap does for Pastor Cody, right? Yeah. And my wife picked this out for me. I could not do this on my own. Hey, just so you know, Jake, if you give me money, I will pray more that you get to heaven, okay? All right, all right. Yeah, that's, that's how it can be done. Look at how dressed you are, Doug. Look at this nice tie. Your son-in-law over there doesn't dress as well. I don't know about this. Some of you look great. Some of you are good. I'm glad that you're here. You, you're good. You do good things for the church over there. He doesn't do such good stuff. In fact, Barry, I like all this hair up there. I'm jealous right now. You know, there, you do such great stuff. There's a guy in the back that sits way in the back there. I'm not going to point at him. But he is not as good as you are. Some of you are just, it's so great to be here, isn't it, today? Wonderful day, dressed up. Let's do good things for God. Amen. But, uh-oh, am I good enough? How good do you have to be for God? I mean, we're talking about being good and dressing nice and fancy Donnie, you're not dressed up today. I am. I'm better than you, right? What is good enough? In fact, 500 years ago, there was a man named Martin Luther. He was caught in this storm, lightning all around him. He was scared to death, and he cried out to God saying, save me. In fact, if you save me, I will go in to the church and be a minister for you. So he became a monk. I'm getting rid of this finally. Woo, okay. He became a monk, but he wrestled, he struggled, because he was wondering, what can I do to win God's favor? Shave my head in a circle, dress up fancy. And then, when he got to church and studied, he fell upon, look at this, the book of Romans. And he wondered, am I good enough? So he tried. He worked as hard as he could. In fact, here's what he says. He said, if ever there was a monk to get to heaven doing good, I am that monk. He said in the past he would work so hard to be as good, fancy, squeaky clean, the right jacket, the right hairdo. But am I good enough? And he realized a problem when he turned to the book of Romans. So grab your Bibles right now. Go to the book of Romans, chapter 3. Romans, chapter 3. 
And as he worked so hard to be so righteous and good on the outside, he realized he was really, really bad on the inside. Even though he put on the right clothes and put enough money and did all these things, he realized there was a problem. And he came upon this passage right here. So here's the problem. Take a look at this. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. This troubled him. This was the problem. Now, But now, apart from the law, a righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and prophets testify. And what the problem was, look at these words, the righteousness of God. He struggled. In fact, he wrote down this. He said, I hated the words righteousness of God. I hated those words. He read Romans. He read Romans chapter 1 in the first couple in verse 16, 17, 18, and 19. He just struggled with this righteousness of God. God is so pure, so good, so holy, so righteous. And Luther had an overwhelming sense of sin, agony, despair, and a sense of sin that plagued him deep within. And he felt unworthy. He would dress up, do all the right things for church, but he still felt unworthy. Here's the problem, the righteousness of God. He felt unworthy because his sin was there. He could not find the solution to his sin. So instead, he started working harder. All his good works were insufficient to save him. His own righteousness could not do it. He worked hard. He put money to the church. He was a minister, became a monk and a priest. That wasn't good enough. It was insufficient. Listen to me. We cannot save ourselves. Never forget that line. We, in our own works, cannot save ourselves. And that's what Luther realized. We need to find the right way to be right with God. But also, at this time, the church was in trouble. Oh, the church was in serious trouble. All was going on. He tried to do what the church was teaching them. Do sacraments, and you'll get right with God. Pay more money, oh, guess what? Then you'll get to heaven. Put money in there, oh, then you can even get other people to go to heaven. Confession, penance. He would fast for days and days, and still he felt unworthy but the church was saying this is how you can get right with God by doing more looking good on the outside and you'll get to heaven all that human effort he tried and the church was teaching if you want to get right with God it's through human effort do the right thing dress the right way And the church was struggling. But if you do those things, you can then go to heaven. But Luther kept going, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Can I work to get into heaven? And you realize, what's the answer to those questions? No. Guess what? You will never be good enough to get to heaven. Luther felt damned. He felt lost and totally helpless. 
Grab your Bibles. You got Romans chapter 3. Let me explain the problem a little bit more. Take a look at the screen here. The problem defined a little bit more. We go to Romans chapter 3, look at 22 and 23. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, rich or poor, male or female, tall or short, dressed up fancy, or if you've got a jean jacket on. There is no difference. Look at verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here is where Luther felt he was totally in despair and trouble. He wrestled through it. He even met with the, the main guy of this school that he was teaching at saying, what should I do? And this guy's like, I don't know. Turn to Scripture. And he read Romans again and again. He was in trouble. All, both Jews, Greeks, are under sin. Listen to me. Sin is not just bad. How many in this room have ever done a bad thing? Okay, the rest of you are liars. Okay, raise that other hand. That's my lying hand. Here it is. Sin is not just bad. Here it is. Sin is deadly. Do you hear me? Sin is deadly. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin brings death. And Luther felt that he was under the punishment of God. But as he read this, he realized this is not about bad people turning good, but dead people coming alive. How do I become alive? By doing what the church says? You know, going through all this stuff, and you realize that's not the answer. The wrath of God has come because of our sin, and we stand under his judgment. None of us in this room are good enough. You are all bad, 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 bad. I'm going to go like this so I point to everyone. You're all bad, okay? We're all guilty before God. And our greatest righteousness, as the Old Testament said, is like stinky, filthy diaper rags. It's gross. We can't do it. There's no way we can do it. We're all guilty before God, and we deserve nothing but death. We all have what's called this human depravity and sin. In fact, that's what Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3 up to verse 20 says. You are all guilty. You have no excuse. You rejected God in a variety of ways. And Luther had a right to feel the wrath of God and the judgment of sin. We sin and we have glorified what we enjoy the most. And God has not been that. Shame on us, right? So Luther struggled. He realized he's an enemy of God. We're all enemies of God. All humanity, every color, size, rank, religion, because of sin, God would be just to condemn us forever. Done. Because his holiness and his justice needs to be satisfied. So Luther began to read the Psalms. He began to read Romans. He began to read Ephesians and work through this. And then he found, here it is, the solution to his soul. To stand before God is not based upon our work, but it's based upon someone else's work. And he needed 
grace just as we do today. So can you work for it? No. Pastor Aaron's going to help us with an example of how to think through this aspect. All right. So if you ever have volunteered in kids ministry, you know I really like to play games and to do object lessons. So I'm going to need some volunteers. So the Bay family, if you would come up, please. And I need some other volunteers, other volunteers. And, you know, we'll have the Herringer family. All of you, come on up. Aaron, I know you love being in front of people, so come on up. All right, so we are going to play a minute-to-win-it style game here. So you guys, Herringers, you guys can can come over here. You guys are going to be uh, Team Works. That's your name. And Bay Family, you guys are going to be Team Grace. Okay, so in one minute, you have to take what's in your bag and totally cover a member of your family. In one minute. You have to totally cover a member of your family. All right, on your mark, get set, go. You have one minute one minute. Oh, it looks like Team Grace over here has got a good idea of, of kind of what's going on. You can, you can cover up the big person. You can cover up the little person, whoever you want to cover. It's all good. Oh, Team Grace is having some trouble over here. Uh-oh. Here, I'll, I'll give you a hand. Here you go. There you go. Ariana's got it down. Okay. About 30 seconds left. We have about 30 seconds left. Oh, Miss Kimmy has stepped in as a wild card to help with Team Grace. Here we go. We're getting pretty covered. There we go. I don't, oh, wow. That's right. You just saw a doctor do that. Uh, all right. We have 15 seconds left. 15 seconds left. 15 seconds left. Team Grace. Wow, she's pretty covered. All right. And can we have a countdown? Five, four, three, two, one. All right, take your hands off. Take your hands off. Very good. Can you give them a round of applause, please? Very good job. Very good job. Now, as you can see, team works over here. What was, uh, what were you thinking? Elijah, do you feel covered up totally or no? You feel covered up totally? I can still see you. All right, so what, what was the problem? It looks like you got some filthy rags here going on. Do you think that you could ever be totally covered up by those? No, probably not. Now, I know we just had a minute. Yeah, there's a little, that, those uh, rags might have taken a trip in my garden this morning. Um, now, Team Grace, do you think if you would have kept going that you would have gotten your mom totally covered? Probably. Probably. Can you give them both a hand? They can, you guys can head back to your seats. Very good job. Thank you. Now, as Pastor Cody said, there was a problem and a solution. And the problem that Martin Luther faced is that he realized that, according to the book of Isaiah, it says, our works are but filthy rags. They're never going to cover us. Nothing we can do can totally cover up our problem. Nothing can account for it. But God, right? God's grace provides us the coverage that we need. If we go to Romans chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, it says, In the same way, then, there has also come to be at the present time a remnant according to God's gracious choice. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, it's no longer grace. It has to be grace. 
Otherwise, we can't cover ourselves. There's nothing we can do. It has to be grace. There's, there's no other option. Our filthy rags will never, ever cover us. That's why we have an assurance of salvation, because nothing we have done connect us to Jesus, and that means that nothing we can do can separate us from him. Amen? All right, Pastor Cody, you can come back up. So Martin Luther was struggling with this issue, the problem, and the problem was explained. So let's go back to Romans chapter 3. Now the solution, he realized this great solution is not based upon what he was doing. Take a look at this. Again, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and following. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And God presented him, take a look at verse 25, as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to receive by faith. So Luther saw that the heart of Romans, the heart of the gospel message, the heart of all scripture is Jesus and his grace. You can't work for it. What's good enough? Only Jesus. Amen, right? Because I'll never be good enough. What's good enough? Only Jesus. Jesus has already met the demands of God and his righteousness. Salvation is God's achievement, not my achievement. Do you hear that? Trying to achieve salvation, trying to get my way to heaven, I can't do it. God's achievement is in Christ, in Christ alone. We are not made righteous by what we do, but only by the work of Christ. And God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. So God's wrath came down, rightly so. God would be just to condemn us forever. But that judgment came upon Jesus. He took my place. He stepped in. I like how John Stott says this. God himself gave himself to save us from himself. So here, Luther finally in the book of Romans realized the answer to his problem, the answer to the problem within society, within the church, it's Jesus. It's grace. God's judgment comes, but Jesus took that for us. Luther realized that he was totally incapable of meeting God's standards. Instead, we are to trust and rely on God in what Jesus has accomplished. Notice the word faith is in there. We receive it by faith. It's by Christ, by faith. There's grace. Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there quickly. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Again, these are verses, there's a reason we have our kids in Sunday school, our kids in Awana, memorize these verses. Romans 3.23, if you don't have that memorized, get it in you, because you live it. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, this was the key to unlock the shackles that Luther was dealing with. Listen to this. Verse 8. For it is by grace you are saved. Whoa, 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 I thought I had to dress right. I thought I had to pay more money. I thought I had to do all these sacraments. I thought I had to go to confession and do all these things. 
Oh, it's not by works. It's by grace. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God. And that's what grace is. It's a gift. Look at verse 9. Not by works so that anyone can boast. Salvation is an act of God's grace, which is this free gift that we receive to be right before God. How do I get right before God? We read in Scripture, we know about our sin, but what is the right way to be right before God? Only through Christ. Only through faith in what He has done. By the grace that God has given. And this liberated Martin Luther. We must trust in the work of Christ. So Luther finally started resolving this inner conflict. And then 504 years ago, on this date, October 31st, Martin Luther said, that's it. I need to let people know. So he took his pen and started writing out 95 different theses, 95 different proclamations. And the way to do that, to let people know, was to nail it to the church door. And here's a picture of example. People would have different things like, hey, for sale, I've got a horse for sale, something like that. But he nailed his 95 theses on the door in the church in Wittenberg, Germany. October 31st, 504 years ago. And everyone went crazy. In fact, it's interesting if you look at the 95 theses. The first one says Here's a summary. Every day of the Christian life should be a day of repentance over our sins. So Martin Luther then, this was what is called the spark of the Reformation. There were people before him already turning up stuff within the church. Then Martin Luther did this. He nailed the 95 theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he invited a public debate. And this sparked the Protestant Reformation. And we're called Protestants because we protested saying, it's not by works, it's by grace. And they protested. These things you are doing don't get you to heaven. Then the church got upset. After a couple years, someone wrote a letter. There's a wild boar in the vineyard. Martin Luther, when he wrote stuff back to the church and the Pope, it was getting crazy. And they demanded, out of their 95 things, 41, we are condemned, it's heresy, you are wrong. You put it on the door, now you must face us and we'll have a debate. Gets a little confusing because of the terminology, so I wrote this out for you. An assembly was called, said, all right, you're coming to this assembly, which is called a diet, not like taking a diet, but this assembly happened in the town of Worms in 1521. Luther was called to give up his statement. Give up all that you said and come back to the church. You're wrong, Luther. Luther said, I don't know. Should I recant and give it up? Here's what he said. I cannot and will not recant. I can do no other. Here's his famous words. Here I stand. God being my helper. And this started the Protestant Reformation. 
where many broke away from the main church at that time and began to read the Bible. In fact, Martin Luther then decided at the same time, God providentially in the history of time, Gutenberg, what is Gutenberg known for? Printing press. And Luther's like, why are we just reading the Bible in Latin, the Vulgate? He took then the Greek and he said, I'm gonna just translate this in my common tongue, German, so people can read the Bible for themselves instead of being translated from a translation and then through a priest and through all this stuff and get all confused, read the Bible. And this sparked an amazing, beautiful thing within church history. So really, that's what today's about. Some of you might dress up and get all fancy and maybe put a wig on like I didn't go get some candy. Okay, well, that's fine. Unless you're a dentist, don't do that, okay? But yeah, so, but really today's about the church coming back to its true meaning. You can't work for it. Christ has. Put your faith and trust in Him. We're not done. In fact, what we want to do is give you a little example, a little video. It's about five, six minutes long here. These are little kids telling the story of Martin Luther. And then they recorded the voices of it and adults acted out. You'll get the understanding as we see this. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm really tired. I want to translate the Bible for a little bit and then I want to go to bed. Johann Gutenberg found, found the nine theses 
and it made lots of copies of the 90 day theses. Oh, I can make copies of this. This is good. And then everybody was reading. And the Pope and the King were not like that. So the Pope and the King got really mad. Um, um, the Pope and the King, they were really mad and then, and then they and then they called him to, to the worms. That's when they called him to the giant worms. Not like fishing worms. Lord's been good to me, and so I said the Lord, forgiven me the things I need, like the song and the grape and the apple seed, the Lord is good to me. Amen, 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 amen. Eat up, eat up, eat up, eat up, eat up, eat up. Worm is a place in Germany. So they pulled Martin Luther in trial. He told him, stop saying those things. Martin Luther, stop staring those things. That's not right. You are a heretic. And the Pope said, you're a heretic. I stand here, I do not, I stand, I stand here, I do no other. And the Pope and the King got even more mad. <gasps> so he burned his disorder in front of the church and then he really got in trouble. So he hid in the castle for a long time. And then his then his hair grow like Rapunzel. And then his beard grow. When he was hiding, he seen people be being bad. So he went out hiding. And then he told to the people, stop being and being good to, to each other. So he wanted people to read the Bible. So he translated it to German. And some nuns were in trouble. And then they, and then they text Martin Luther. Please save us, Martin Luther. Please help me, Martin Luther. So he finally helped them. And he saved the nuns and then one nun didn't have anything to, to, to do. Hi, I'm Cat Catalina. So, so Martin Luther said, well, okay, do you want to marry me? Sure, okay. <laughs> so, so and then they made a big family. People started getting sick and then they died. So Martin Luther wrote a song to help them feel better. Um, a mighty fortress is our guy. Da 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 da, never failing. A mighty fortress is our guy. Da na na na, never failing. The Reformation started, and the church. So apparently that video was more for the adults than the kids. <laughs> At this time, other leaders rose up, Zwingli,
Calvin, others began to write and liberate the church. It was a beautiful time. The church wanted freedom. And the understanding of justification, being right with God by faith alone, was the key point of the big debate for Luther, for Calvin, for Zwingli. And the Protestant reformers began to protest more and more. In fact, Luther said this, the concept of justification by faith is the article by which the church stands or falls. You cannot get to heaven by what you do. It's by God's grace alone. In fact, there are five Latin phrases, proclamations during that time that they had. And we have these as a handout. It's on the way out. Grab these. It's called the five solas. The five solas. It's by faith alone. There's no way that you can do this, not through your works. It's only by trusting in what Christ has done. Put your faith in Christ. You don't have to work your way to to heaven. Christ has already provided that for you, faith alone. And then in Christ alone. Salvation exists and is provided through the person and the work of Christ alone. Not through the church, not through money, not through memorizing Romans 8. Only through Christ alone. No one else. And then Scripture alone. At the time, one of the problems was this. They had the Bible, here's your authority, but then the church history and the Pope became the same equal authority. They said, "Uh -uh -uh uh-uh-uh-uh. Scripture alone is our authority. And again, they began to read Scripture, and it got put into normal people's hands and the peasants, and they began to see the beauty of grace alone. The basis of salvation comes in this free gift of God. You don't have to work for it. It's in grace alone. And all of this, I love this phrase, All of this is for the glory of God. Not for your fame, not for how good you are, but for the glory of God. The worship team's going to come up and we're going to sing a few songs celebrating God's goodness and faith. But listen to this. It's by grace alone, through faith alone. After we sing these songs, I'm going to explain that a little bit more and then we're going to take some time to pray. So worship team, come on up. If you're able to stand, stand and join us as we sing some of these anthems. In fact, one of the songs we're going to sing was written by Martin Luther. Luther, as one of the kids called him. There was this war going on and a lot of poverty. He wrote the song to encourage them. That God is our strength in our mighty fortress. Then we'll sing some more songs, then we'll take some time. I want to explain the gospel message in a very simple way to you, and we'll pray. So let's sing these songs.
share a story that's totally made up. In fact, elements of the story are just very fictitious. This is not the mode in which you go to heaven and all that kind of stuff you'll see here in a moment. All right. So, two people are watching a football game together on TV. One was a Lions fan. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Aaron. And one was a Packers fan. And lo and behold, the Lions win. Yeah, one hallelujah, okay. Now, this was such a surprise to the Packers fan, he had a heart attack and died, okay. Totally made up story here, right. He couldn't believe it. I mean, Packers always, and once in a while, will let one squeak by, but that's okay, right. They lost. The Packer fan had a heart attack. The Lions fan didn't know what winning was. It's been 16 games, 17 games since you won. So he had a heart attack too. We won. Ah! They both had a heart attack. Totally made up story here. 
as they're floating to heaven, now people don't just float to heaven, but just, I'm making this up so you can kind of see the story. As they're floating to heaven, the Packer fan sees an angel going around to all the people that died that day handing out tickets to heaven. And the Packer fan gets a ticket to heaven. Well, that's kind of weird. It's like a paper airplane or something. But the Lions fan is still waiting and waiting and waiting, kind of like they are for their wins. And finally, the the angel disappears and all the tickets are handed out. Some people got tickets and some people don't. And the Lions fan looks at the Packer fan and goes, you got a ticket, I don't. I'm in trouble. Packer fan says, you probably are. And the Lions fan, smart, says, listen, give me part of your ticket so I can go, look, I've got a ticket too. Now Packer fans, not all of them, most of them are generous and kind. So the Packer fan said, sure, I will rip you a piece of my ticket. So the Packer fan, as best as he could, kind of looks at the shape of what that ticket, his look like, and just rips a piece of ticket for the Lions fan. And there we go, and says, here's your ticket. There you go. And the Lions fan, always jealous about wins and other things like that, is like, your ticket's bigger than mine. That's not fair. Give me some more. And the Packers fan's like, okay, fine. I will rip you another piece of my nice golden, I was going to try and make this green and gold, but that's okay, this great ticket so you can have a piece. Do this the best. I usually do this with a small piece of paper. So the Packers fan says, all right, here's another piece of my ticket. So when you get to heaven, you can have a ticket to go to heaven because I love you. And he rips them a piece. There we go. They get to heaven. Golden gates. And the Packer fan gets up there and the, the, the person up there goes, oh, you can come to heaven, but you can't. And the Lions fan freaks out. Well, what do you mean I can't go to heaven? All right, Aaron, if you could help me here. What do you mean I can't go to heaven? And says, well, it's what your ticket says. So the, let me get this out here. So the Lions fan's like, okay, fine. Let's, let me see what my ticket says. So the angel helps him out. And this, this guy gets down in their streets of gold in heaven. So he starts working on his ticket, and it's just full of pieces and parts. So then through this, he's helping him out, and he begins to get this ticket, and the angel's helping him because he needs a lot of help. Lions fans need a lot of help, although Lions fans helping out a Packer fan right now. So there we go. Okay. So he gets his ticket, and on the streets of gold... They see what his ticket says, and it spells out this word here. Kids, what does this word say? Hell! What? Well, dude, listen. Your ticket spells hell, and this guy freaks out. Curse words are coming out like snow is coming, Chicago Bears. Those are the words I used last week. He is upset that his ticket spells hell. And he goes to the Packer fan. He goes, what's so big about his ticket that he gets to go to heaven? And the Packers fan's like, I, 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 I don't know. What does his ticket say? The Packer fan says, all I was told, I was supposed to just trust in Jesus. Let's see what my ticket says. Oh, now the Lions fan is stumped. 
cross, and he says this. Maybe if you could help me out, Aaron, a little bit more. What's so big about the cross? What's so big about Jesus that makes him go to heaven and I'm going to hell? Or maybe if you could come over here and help take these off. Thank you. So, he gets down on the streets of gold and lays out the cross. He says, let me tell you the story of Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. God in the flesh. And he was the King of the Jews. Oh, I guess I can just put it up here. But he was condemned by the religious people. In fact, when he was there, they took dice and rolled, here's the two pieces of dice, rolled for his garments. But at the same time that he was crucified, two other people were crucified next to him. Now these were truly bad people where Jesus, he was not. He had done nothing wrong, completely righteous. So Jesus was crucified next to these two thieves and horrible people. And one of them cried out to Jesus, if you're truly God, if you're truly the Son of God, save me and yourself. Call down all the angels. If you can do it, just snap your fingers and we'll be saved. He started mocking Jesus. But the thief on the other side didn't mock him. He truly believed in his heart that this was the Son of God. What are you doing? This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is what this guy did. Instead of mocking him, going with the world, he went with the Word. Jesus, save me. Remember me when you get to paradise, to heaven. Jesus said this, first dress up, help old ladies across the street, give money to the church, memorize Romans 8, it hasn't been written yet, but don't worry, you'll get it. Do a bunch of good things. Is that what Jesus said? No. How does one get to heaven? Not by doing works, but by trusting in Christ alone. And Jesus said, today, you'll be in paradise. Jesus died. They took a spear, stabbed him in the side, and blood and water flowed. This one understood the gospel message that was rediscovered during the Reformation. Whereas this one followed the world. So my question for you today is this. There's not going to be angels floating around handing out tickets. But do you really have this ticket, Jesus Christ? You can't work for it. Yes, you are bad. Really, really bad. But God, in His goodness, He would be just to condemn you forever. But instead, He sent His Son, Jesus, who lived the life of obedience all the way to the cross, and died so you can have life. It's the only way to heaven. Let's pray.
fact, I want everyone to close your eyes as we pray. We don't do this often, but it's good to take a heart check right now. Maybe you've been thinking, I'm good enough. Anyone who thinks you're good enough, you don't understand Christianity. You don't understand the beauty of Jesus. And maybe today, right now, you need to realize in your heart, you're going, I need Christ for salvation. I've put my hope in the things I've done and all these external things and I now realize I need the gospel. I need Jesus Christ to be my Savior to save me from hell. The other ticket is in Christ alone. So here's what I'm going to do. No one's looking. If that's you, just put your hand up and I'm going to be praying for you this week. Just put your hand up saying, I need Jesus right now. I need Christ alone right now okay I see some hands i'm going to be praying for you let's pray jesus thank you that you're good enough that you saved a horrible person like me who thought i could work and do good things no it's only through christ in his work, from the grace of God, through faith that I put my trust in him so I can have eternal life. Lord, help me rediscover the gospel as what happened 500 years ago. Help me every day rediscover the beauty that it's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. God, we give you our hearts, our lives, all that we live for is yours. And now how could we not worship him because of the great goodness of God? Lord, this we pray and we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and you'll be saved. Lord, we lay that to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's thank the Lord for his goodness and grace to us. All right, thanks for worshiping with us. There's donuts and goodies over there. God bless you. Have an awesome weekend. Could all that is lost ever be?